Well, this morning I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start at the, um, we're going to be starting at the 5th verse, and we're going to read down through the 13th verse. And it should be on the screen this morning, so we'll be able to, you'll be able to follow along. Let us hear from God's Word. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this day and we thank you for your word and we pray now that as we come to you, we ask that you would speak into our hearts. Lord, help us to hear what you want us to hear and Lord, let that seed be planted in our hearts and grow. And Lord, we pray that as we come that you would be glorified in what we learn. And now, Lord, I pray that I would be behind the cross and that you would be seen and all that's done would be for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this morning we are going to begin a new series on praying like Jesus. And I believe prayer is really a central piece of what we need to be about or we're called to be about as followers of Jesus. Now, John Wesley believed it was so important that he even said, and John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement, that he believed that nothing is done except in response to believing prayer. So he felt that really our whole lives need to be grounded in an attitude and a practice of prayer. Now, I'm guessing um, we're all pretty familiar with the word prayer. We maybe tell people that we're praying for them. Um, periodically. Of course, that's a common thing we would say at the church, and we have prayer lists and those kind of things. Um, But we might also hear it on the nightly news occasionally when something really tragic has happened in our country, and the commentator will say, um, our thoughts and prayers are with them. We also might see it on Facebook when somebody has a situation going on, and we might respond or see somebody saying, our prayers are with you. Now, I want us just to stop for a moment and think about What does praying for you mean to us? And and I think it can have a variety of meanings. I think it can mean sometimes a well-wish, that we have sincere thoughts for you. Sometimes it's a pious action. I mean, I'm a, you know, right, like if I'm a pastor and you know I'm on your post and I'm responding, it's kind of expected the pastor's going to say praying for you, right? Uh, It's not really cool if I don't. Well, that might be sometimes a little more pious action because I'm just, you know, doing it. Um, but sometimes, right, when we're praying, we hope that we are going to take the next step and really bring the person before God and praying on their behalf. But I have to be honest, sometimes when I write that on my Facebook post and sometimes when I tell people I'm going to pray for them, I forget. Or I never get that far. 
Um, so it was a nice sentiment at that point. It was a well wish. Um, and so I think for us, you know, realizing what is prayer and how do we engage it and how do we continue to grow that in our individual lives. And when I look at Scripture, Jesus here in this text of Matthew 5, we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, lays out some parameters for prayer, and he also gives us a model for prayer. So we're going, to be, we're going to do the first line of that prayer today, but then we're going to deal with the rest of it as we go through the remainder of this month. And I think Jesus gives this prayer we find in the, in the Gospels because Jesus' disciples tell him, they say, could you please teach us how to pray? And so Jesus uses his prayer as an example. It's not meant that we, that's the only prayer, but this is how he would have us ideally pray. And most of us who've grown up around a church, we're probably pretty familiar with that. So when we think about prayer, what is prayer? Well, it's pretty basic. Prayer is talking to God. It's that simple. It's talking to God, and ideally it's also listening to God. So, it, you know, we, it's not a lot of fun just to talk one-sided, right? We, we like to learn also to hear from other people, and I think God wants to teach us that as well as we come to pray. We also know that prayer can be done anywhere, and I know for many of us this is basic, right? But just, just putting us on the same playing field here, prayer can be in a church, it can be when you're driving down the road, uh, it can be any space that you're in, prayer's okay. Prayer can also be done in a variety of postures. I know Pastor Daniel, when he's here and he's leading the prayer time, he will say, find a prayer position that is holy for you and, and assume that. And here on the back wall, you can look if you want or you can look as you leave today, there are some tapestries that give different postures of prayer. You can sit and that's okay. You can sit and pray and that may be a comfortable posture or maybe you like to walk and pray or drive in prayer or sometimes we are celebrative in prayer and our hands are raised and other times we're more reflective and maybe we're standing and bowing or our faces sometimes are on the ground and we're knelt down or we're just kneeling. And you know, I find myself that prayer posture tends to follow where my heart is. Because there's times when I find that I am really excited about what God has done. And I wouldn't probably do this in front of y'all, but I'd do it on myself. I'd be, yes, Jesus, that was awesome. Thank you, right? And I might celebrate with God. There are other times when I am so heavy-hearted and beaten down maybe by life that I'm on my face before God saying, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how I'm going to get through this deal, and I need you to move in this situation. So our prayer posture tends to follow sometimes what's happening in our heart and our life. And also, prayers can be written, so it's okay to write them, it's okay to sing them, it's okay to speak them or to pray them silently. The key denominator is that we are praying them from an honest heart, that we are just coming honestly before God. We're not trying to come and trying to pull something over on God. God knows our hearts, right? So we just want to come honestly with who we are, where we are, as we pray. Now, I want to hope we all understand this morning, but if we don't, to understand that prayer is a gift. And it's an incredible gift we've got from God because the creator of all things is inviting us into a conversation. God wants to be engaged with each and every one of us. Not just a preacher, not just some holy person on television, not that person down the street or the person next to the pew, but you. God wants to be in connection 
with each and every one of you. And that is an incredible gift that God has given to us. And I want you to think about that for a moment. To think about that this God who put everything together, knows everything, knows everything about you and I, is saying, let's sit down and just have a talk. And I want to be intricately involved in your life. And when you pray, prayer does something. Prayer, one thing, it can bring incredible comfort as you pray. I'm not alone. I remember um, when my brother was killed in a tragic car or a tragic motorcycle accident several years back. He had a young teenage daughter at the time. And I remember when he died, that was a really heavy moment. And I know as the word went out and people began to pray, and maybe you've experienced it, it was just like there was a buoyancy happening. All of a sudden, it's like God was there, caring in that moment. Or when we pray, that it, it gives us hope. When we feel like, man, I'm, I'm so beat down, and all of a sudden you start to feel hope rise. Or you find faith starting to be built up that things may be okay in the end. Prayer allows the avenue to open up for God to begin to do things in us in some powerful ways. So it's not just what we're praying that happens out here, but it's what God is doing on the flip side as we are engaged in prayer. And that's why I think it's one of the really important things. Now, one of the things about prayer, prayer does get easier the more we do it. For some of us, it's very easy, and for others of it, it just may seem like drudgery. But I want you to know that as you pray, it gets better. It gets easier. Also, it's really important to know that prayer is something that takes intentionality and some effort. It does take those things. And in fact, when we look at Scripture, we find that God is very clear that we are engaged in our lives in a battle. We, we live in a world that's broken, right? It's separated from what God wishes for all. And so there's a battle raging around us that tends to try to get in the way of our relationship with God. And so we have to contend with that. And so there is some effort of pushing through that cloud of stuff. In fact, in Scripture, Paul writes, he says, we see like through a, a, a mirror dimly. We, we can't really see through the glass. It's kind of foggy at times. And, and that's that kind of battle piece that we're doing. But I want to read to you a Scripture that comes from 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. And the Apostle Paul, or Peter wrote these words, and I think they're really helpful for us when we're talking about prayer. He pr says this, he says, cast all your anxiety on God because God cares for you. That's kind of comforting, right? Cast it all on God. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So did you hear those two words he said? Be alert and self-controlled. That takes some effort, right? I have to be alert to what's going on around me. I also have to be self-controlled to continue to persevere in praying, even sometimes when I may not feel like it. For instance, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes when I sit down to pray, I have really good intentions, right? And I start praying, and something happens to me that happened to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that Jesus was praying before he was crucified, right? He's praying, and he says, guys, 
hang out with me a while and pray that you don't fall into temptation. And what happens? They fall asleep. Anybody ever fall asleep praying? Yeah. Now, it's not bad to be praying and fall asleep because sometimes you'll wake up again and you'll just keep praying, right? But then there's other times you're just like, oh, man, I'm done. You have to persevere through that, right? Because if, pretty soon it says, every time I try, I just fall asleep, so I'm not doing it anymore, right? Um, well, at least it's one way to get to sleep, just saying. But if you look at this, what he says is there is a roaring lion. Now, I know in like our mission team that's in Africa right now, I always think of lions in Africa, and, and uh, I don't know if they'll get to see any while they're there. But if you were walking through the jungle and all of a sudden you hear a roar, right, in the jungle, um, what would you do? Yeah, I've heard a few of those. Run, right, I'm out of here. Do you know which way to run? <laughs> you know, we, we, we're going to run. Maybe you get paralyzed and you don't want to move, right? You just want to stay where you are. Um, or maybe you just get distracted and, and you lose focus on what you were trying to do and you get displaced. We find there are all kinds of things in our world that are roaring at us, that are trying to get our eyes off of God, that are trying to help but make us believe that God doesn't care about us and doesn't want to be involved in our world or in us, in our lives every day. And so we can forget. We forget to come to God. We forget that God's really wanting to be engaged with us. We can even become so fearful that we're just being overwhelmed. I mean, sometimes I watch the nightly news, y'all, and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, there's no hope, right? It's the roaring, and yet has God lost control? The God who put all things together? I don't believe so. You know, I don't understand everything, but God is still at work. And so I think it's really important. Now, also another thing that happens, not only is there a roaring, I think, that can hinder our prayer life, but also sometimes it's that our faith gets beaten up. I mean, have any of you ever prayed something diligently and with great effort and it didn't happen? You were praying for somebody or you were, you were trying, so you were trusting God to do something and it went awry or something happened in the world that makes totally no sense and it can be easy to hear the voice, well, you can't trust God. You can't come to God. God doesn't really take care of you. God doesn't really care about you. God wasn't really going to, it doesn't make any difference. Folks, that is the voice of the enemy trying to silence the voice of God that wants to speak into our lives in those moments. And, and we have to be so careful, right, because those things can happen because it's always trying to push us away from God rather than drawing us closer. So, and then there can also just be our own selves can get in the way. Sometimes it's our own self-esteem that we think, I'm nobody. Uh, look at me. I mean, what do I got to offer? God doesn't want to hang out with me. I'm not special. And some of us have that narrative running through our mind, and yet God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God wants to be in a conversation with you. Or maybe you have done something that you really know and felt like it was against God, and you know God told you not to, and you did it anyway, and you've kept running, and you feel like God could never welcome me back. And yet, we look at the story of the prodigal son Jesus talks about, that that son had gone into a far country and the father stands waiting for him to come and so all of those things can be that roaring that pushing to move us away from god and yet god is wanting us to come because remember jesus said i've come that all might have life 
and have it to the full. He wants us to be full of God. He doesn't want us to feel like we've been pushed away from God. And so I just want to encourage us that when those roaring, those things of the enemy come at us, don't let it discourage you to move you away from God. We want to resist the enemy. Um, and we want to stand firm knowing that God's with us. So in this text that we look at today, um, in Matthew, Jesus just lays out a couple of things before he jumps into this one sentence we're going to just highlight briefly. Jesus starts out by saying, okay, when don't be like the religious leaders of your time, and he's talking about his particular time, that stand on the street corners and pray. And what he's getting at is that, as you probably know, in that time era, the religious leaders would put a prayer shawl over their head when they prayed. They would put what was called phylacteries. There was a little box that would have scriptures on it. They would tie to their forehead and tie some bands onto their arms. And they looked quite pious. And then they would stand, and they might do this number, and they might pray out loud and close their eyes, maybe look like it's a painful um, kind of thing. And Jesus said, don't be like them because all they're doing is doing it for show. They're really not doing it because they're trying to engage God. And so on one hand, Jesus is saying, don't do things just to be pious. Okay, don't just do it for show. He also then jumps and he says, now, when you pray, go into your prayer closet. Now, immediately, some of us go, well, that means you should not pray out loud or be with other people, pray in your prayer closet, go in, shut the door, be by yourself. But I think what Jesus is trying to get at there is that it's an intimate relationship with God. God wants us to come and say, I want to meet with you heart to heart. I really want to hear what's going on with you and what you're concerned about. Now that can be done with privately, that can be done in a community, that can be done with some other people or with somebody who's really struggling and you come alongside them and you pray for them, you're bringing them into the intimacy of that relationship to know that God's with them. And then I think he thirdly says then, the other thing don't do is don't be like the pagans who just babble on and on and on. Maybe you've been in some prayer meetings like that where somebody goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And you're like, Lord, have mercy, set me free. Um, and, you know, because there are people out there that they can string words together and sound glorious, right? But sometimes they may be pretty hollow. And you can have a person that's stumbling all over the self and can't put two words together that feels incredibly holy. God isn't interested in how many words or how eloquent. It's all about heart. Our, what is our heart cry? Whether it's two words, one word, or a string of words. So I think Jesus is trying to lay out for them this intimacy, this peace that's so important. And so then Jesus jumps into this prayer that we pray almost every week within our churches oftentimes. And I only want to look at this part of it today. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I just want to take a brief moment to reflect on this. When Jesus says our Father, this was huge. Because in that particular time era, you didn't call God anything intimate. There was actually a word for God that was to keep you protected from saying the word for God. And so for Jesus to say, when you pray, pray our Father was pretty revolutionary. And what he was saying to the folks, he's saying, pray knowing that God desires an intimate relationship with you. 
and that the God of the whole creation is now inviting you to come up onto his lap. Now, I don't know if you're a visual type person, but that kind of works for me. And so one of them, like that picture we showed briefly this morning, that God is inviting us and saying, I want you to come climb up on my lap, and I want you to begin to talk with me. I want you to bring your joys and your sorrows and your frustrations and your questions, and would you hang out here? Now, I don't know, for those of you who have parents, I'm guessing, uh, if you're parents, and you have kids, that at some point in time, you have maybe a kid that likes to come home and they tell you everything about their day. And then you have a kid that you can't pry it out of them half the time, right? But, you know, they come and... But there's always maybe a moment where maybe that kid comes and they just sit on your lap quietly. But you kind of get the feel you know what's going on. And I think wherever we find ourselves, Jesus wants us to know, he's trying to tell his disciples and the followers, come up here, get onto my lap, I want to be with you. I want you to know that I want to have a conversation with you. It's also important to realize when he uses the word our father in that particular time era, fathers, because it was a patriarchal kind of society the way it was set up, fathers were often the apprentices, their sons would apprentice their fathers. And so what he's saying is, when you climb up here, your parent, who is apprenticing you, who's here to instruct you to become who he wants you to be. So when we're crawling up in prayer, we're asking God, we want to be who you want us to be as your sons and daughters. Teach us how to be that. So that's all tied up in this word of our Father. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a calling into intimacy. It's, it's inviting God to instruct us. And we're also naming, God, you have invited me to be your child, and I'm saying yes to you. I am your kid. And I'm proudly one of your children. Thank you for welcoming in there. And in fact, Jesus is kind of doing that because Jesus is the one who died to provide a way that we could have access to God, right? So when we come through Christ, he's saying, now you're a kid. You're my father's child. Come boldly unto that throne room. And so he's laying all of that out for us. And then he says, then hallowed be your name, which means holy or set apart, that you are above all others. Now, I think why this is so incredibly important for us, y'all, is because God can easily get minimized in our minds. We can bring God down to human level. We expect God to perform the way we do as humans. And we want God to be like us. Now, he did come to that in Jesus, but we have to understand the God who put the whole world and all creation together is so much bigger than anything you and I can put into our heads. I don't know about y'all, but it just gives me a headache to think about how big God is. I mean, I can't even fathom that. In fact, I have to bring it to human terms or else I could easily just become overwhelmed. I don't know, any of you old enough to remember Major Astro? Anybody? I am not the oldest person in the room. <laughs> Major Astro was an after-school program that came on when he'd come home from school. You know, I think he was out of here in Wichita and, and he'd go, Major Astro! And it was really cool. They showed the whole universe, right? It was kind of cool. And when he would do that, I remember just thinking about the galaxies and the stars upon stars upon, and how far the universe expanded out, and my brain would get blown. It would give me a headache. Well, God is so much bigger than even that. And I'm trying to understand God. And so in that moment, if I realize this God that is so beyond my comprehension has come to say, I want to have conversation with you, 
This God out there is all-powerful. If God could do all of that, there is nothing God cannot do. I also start to think, well then, God, why are you doing this? Well then, I probably can't fully understand why God is doing or allowing what is happening. But that's where I get to say, God, you're bigger and you're working out a plan that I don't fully get, but one day you're going to sit down and be able to tell us what we need to know. And I can trust it there to God and say, holy is your name. You're out there. I'm giving it to you. You are all-powerful. You know me better than I know myself. You are with me everywhere I go, and you are always present with me. There is nowhere you are not with me. And you are a God big enough to create the universe. You're a God that can give me what I need at the moment, no matter what I find myself in, and when I don't understand why. So as we look at the Lord's Prayer, I want to encourage you this week to really think about this. And I don't know if prayer is an active part of your life, but I want to encourage you to set aside several minutes every day and I want just to invite you to, to set and really just visualize yourself coming before God. Maybe it's crawling up onto God's lap. Sometimes for me, again, I'm visual, and maybe, if, um, maybe that doesn't work as well for you. Or sometimes I envision myself sitting by the seashore and Jesus just coming up and sitting down with me and having a conversation. And just to begin to tell God, man, I... I just am so thankful for all that you are. And just share the praises. Share the things you celebrate that God is that you know. One of the things we do weekly at our staff meetings is we start often by saying, share where you've seen God at work this week or where you experienced God's grace. And I, I don't know about the rest of the team, but I'm guessing it's like mine. When they start sharing, our team shares, I find that my heart is elevated. Because I'm like, wow, God did some pretty amazing stuff this week. Now, maybe my week was a little thin. But I get to celebrate because I'm hearing what God is doing in your life. And that just elevates my excitement for who God is. And that God is at work in our world and doing incredible things and invites us to be part of that. So as we come, I, I just want to invite you to take that time this week to step into that space and allow God to meet you in powerful ways.